So if you would, go ahead and open up your Bibles. We're going to spend a lot of time in the book of Genesis, chapter 27. If you don't have your Bibles, we'll be on the screen behind me. So I'm going to go ahead and dive into the Scripture. Tonight we're going to go through what is one of my favorite Bible stories. Because there's a guy in this story that I can very closely relate to, and I will explain why in a little bit. But Genesis 27, starting in verse 1, says this, When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, and he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons and your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me and prepare for me delicious food such as I love and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. So the characters we have thus far are Isaac and Esau. Tells us that Esau is the older brother, so there's obviously a younger brother, right? The younger brother is Jacob. And then there's another character that will come in in a little bit named Rebecca. Rebecca is Esau and Jacob's mom. Esau, being the firstborn, and Jacob, the secondborn, were twins. Okay, so they came out not at the same time, but they were born within minutes of each other. But Esau came out first. And in this culture, being the firstborn meant that you had a birthright. You had the right to all of the inheritance. You got everything that the father had when he died became yours. Yeah, the the younger brother got some, but you you got most of it. You got the majority of all the good stuff. And so Esau was pumped. Like, think about it. You've spent your whole life knowing this day will come when my father is going to die. Not that I want him to die, but, you know, I know that when he does, I'm going to get a pretty good reward. So he knew this day was coming, and and this day was finally here. It was bittersweet. You know, he was losing his father, but gaining much wealth. And you have Jacob. Jacob is the secondborn, the mama's boy, the favorite of Rebecca. And Rebecca overhears what's happening here. And she says, Jacob, come here. Your brother Esau is getting ready to get the birthright. So what you've got to do is, is I need you to go out and to get two goats, Bring those in. I'll cook them. You don't have to do anything else. I know exactly the type of food he likes. I'll cook it so that it's perfect. You just go get the goats and bring them to me. And then we'll send you in. I mean, your dad can't see. He's not going to know it's, it's you and, and not your brother. So we'll send you in and you can get the birthright. And you can seal it before he can give it to your older, older brother Esau. And then that's where we pick up in verse 18. Verse 18, it says, so he went into his father and said, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. So Jacob goes into his father. His father knows something's a little off and he says, who are you, my son? And Jacob says, I am Esau. Because he knows that if he wants this birthright, he's got to be Esau. You know, in the eyes of his father, he's got to be Esau. Then we can continue on. Verse 20. 
But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? Because remember, he just sent Esau out to go hunting, not just to go out to the fields, but to go out and find wild game and to kill it. He says, how is it that you found it so quickly, my son? He answered, because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. Now here's where a bit of a hiccup comes in. Because Esau, well, just to be frank, Esau is a really hairy dude. He had, you know, bare hands, lots of hair all over the back of him. Just a big, burly man's man with hair everywhere, coming out of his ears, out of his nose. He was a big, hairy man. Like I said, Jacob wasn't. He was a mama's boy. Fortunately, Rebecca was smart enough, deceitful enough. One of the two, she was smart enough to take the skin of the goat that she had cooked and to put it on the back of his hands. So when Isaac says to Jacob, please come near that I may fill you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not, this is what happens. So Jacob went near to his father who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Verse 24, he said, are you really my son Esau? Remember, he's already asked this question once. He's already said, who are you, my son? And Jacob says, I am Esau. Now he's coming around again just to make sure. He says, are you really my son Esau? And Jacob says, I am. Then he says, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. And we skip down to verse 27, and it says, So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments, and he blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. Because not only did Rebekah think to put on the fur of the goat, but she also dressed him in Esau's clothes. So she fully equipped him. She set him up to be Esau in the eyes of his father. Now, here are a few things that we can learn from Jacob. The first one, and I hope you'll write this down. When we want something that isn't ours, we have to become someone that isn't us. Jacob had something that he wanted, but in order to get it, he had to become someone that he wasn't. When we want something that isn't ours, we have to become someone that isn't us. Now let's go back through that passage really fast and we'll look through some of the things that Jacob had to change. In verse 19, Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. That was his first lie. No bending of the truth, no nice way to say it. That was his first lie, okay? Then we go on. We see in verse 23, his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. Not only could he just say the things that he was pretending to be someone else, but he had also to look the part. So he put on a disguise, and so that's the disguise number one. In the very next verse, we see the next lie. We see lie number two when his father second guesses and says, are you really Esau? And, and Jacob yet again comes around and says, I am. 
So he's now lied twice. He had to become someone that he was not. He had to speak lies. He had to put on garments that were, that were not his. And then it goes on and it talks about the putting on the garments and that's the second disguise that he put on. So he was pretending to be someone that he wasn't. There's a few more things that we can learn from that. Not only when we want, to, want something that isn't ours do we have to become someone that isn't us, we've got to remember that someone will always have something that you don't. Someone will always be something that you aren't. And someone will always do something that you can't. And guess what? It's not a bad thing. You're not meant to be able to do everything. You're not meant to have everything. And you're not meant to be everyone. Because the moment that you try to be someone else is the moment that you forget who you are. Okay, we, we see that someone will always have something you don't. Now, one of the things, bring this home a little bit, I have a fairly large beard. Let's just state the obvious here. I have a big beard. Spencer is very jealous of my beard. Spencer cannot grow a big beard. All right? You may have seen Jason beforehand. Jason had on blue hair. Jason doesn't typically have blue hair. All right? But beforehand, you could have said, yeah. Someone came up to you and said, hey, do you know where Jason is? You could have said, yeah, he's the guy over there in the blue hair. Or, hey, do you know where Dylan is? Yeah, he's, he's the guy in there with the big beard. Or, hey, do you, do you know where Sean was? Yeah, he's the guy with the Rasta hat and the dreads over there. That was how you could identify him, how you could point him out. And so I want you to look at a few pictures of guys that we typically identify the same way that you would have just identified me as, yeah, he's the guy with the beard. Who, who is this? Doug Dynasty. We all know these guys. But if we take their beards away, you would have no idea who they are. Have any of you guys ever seen those pictures? Them before beards? They don't even look like the same person. Who's this guy? Dallas Keuchel. It is not me. It's Dallas Keuchel. Who's this? The next guy? This is James Harden, basketball player. You were right. Who's that? Mr. T. Mr. T. You, I don't think any of you have ever seen Mr. T without a mohawk or without a beard. It just doesn't happen. Who's this guy? Does anyone know? Ryan Fitzpatrick. Who's this guy? Ryan Gosling. He sometimes doesn't have a beard, but he's just an attractive guy, so I wanted to put him up there. All right, who's this guy? This is, this is for you theologians out there. It's Charles Spurgeon. I heard like two people say it. It's okay. Look him up. You, you'll, you'll enjoy it. All right, the next guy. Who's this? Exactly. Nobody knows because he always looks like this. It's Ron Swanson. Every, you, you know him when I put that picture up, but you had no idea what he was beforehand. Who's this next guy? Nobody knows. Maybe if I say the director of Star Wars, the first ones. Who's that? George Lucas. That was the most recent picture of him without a beard, by the way. That was like 
30 years ago. All right, who's, who's this guy? Nobody knows. Who, all right, who is he now? Looks like a totally different person because we identify him that way. All right, and the next guy, this one we know. It's Hugh Jackman, that, one, that one's Wolverine. Like he doesn't look that much different. It's kind of like a Ryan Gosling. I just think he's an attractive guy. Who's this? Okay, so this is what he looks like with his beard. Do you guys know that Abraham Lincoln grew his beard out because an 11-year-old girl told him he would look better with a beard? An 11-year-old. And she was right, he looks much more presidential with a beard on. But we identify those guys based on their beard. Without his mustache, Ron Swanson is just some random guy. Without his big beard and his big hair, nobody even knows who Hagrid is. Nobody even, do any of you all know the guy's name who plays Hagrid? Robbie Coltrane, in case you ever need to know that for trivia night. That's, that's his actual name, okay? But we know him as Hagrid with the big beard and the big hair. That's how we identify him. All right, but how many of you guys would say, guys, hopefully none of you girls would say this, how many of you guys would be like, yeah, you know, someday I hope I have a beard like that. It could be like Dallas Keuchel's or like Hagrid's, you know, either way, but a lot of you guys out there are like, yeah, I'd like a beard or even just like a nice goatee, nice mustache, something. Most people want that, but here's the thing, you can't find your identity in that. Yeah, that's how we point at them and say that's who it is. But that's not who they are. Do you see the difference? Because, and write this down, the more we find our identity and what we have, the more we'll want what isn't ours. The more we find our identity and what we have, the more we'll want what isn't ours. If you find your identity in the things like, I don't know, the grades you get, or what summer job you got, how much money you make, the house you live in, the car you drive, if you find your identity in these things, then you're always going to want to go one step further. You're always going to want more because you're never going to have the nicest house. You're never going to be the single most smartest person in the world. Maybe one of you will someday. If you are, let's be friends because you're going to be rich. Not that I'm identified by money, but you know, it helps. So you're, not, you're probably not going to be the smartest person in the world. You, if you have your identity in those things, then you're always going to want what isn't ours. All right, the next point. The more we find our identity in our creator, the more we'll discover who, we're, who we were created to be. I talked about all the things that you're not identified as. You're not identified. We are not identified by, by your successes or by your failures or by the house you live in, the car you drive. Remember, we talked about that. But you should find your identity in God. And in God alone. On the screen behind me is going to pop up an image. 
It's a bunch of different promises from the New Testament, a lot of different Bible verses that talk about what it means to be in Christ. And this is only a very, very, very small portion. And these aren't the exact verses, it's just a summary of what's in them. But it's just a very small portion of what it means to be in Christ. Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation. Ephesians 2.22, we are built together as a holy building. We see all of these different promises for those who are in Christ. And yet we try to seek out and to find and to identify ourselves by the things we have, by the things we want. Because remember, the more we find our identity in what we have, the more we'll want what isn't ours. I want to read a Bible verse to you, and hopefully it can help illustrate point three a little bit. You could spend an entire lifetime studying what it means to have your identity in Christ, what it means to find your identity in your creator. And hopefully this verse will do a little bit of justice to that, all right? Galatians 2.20, it's on the screen. I have been crucified with Christ. I just want to stop there. I have been crucified with Christ. What does it mean to be crucified? It means to die. I have died to my old self, that self that wants what isn't mine, that finds my identity in the, the things around me. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I've died. Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Christ died so that you may live. But I want you to get something straight, okay? And I hope that this sinks in, okay? Christ didn't die to be a phrase in your bio. He didn't die so that he could just be something that you can say, yeah, 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 I'm a Christian. Look, it says it right here on Instagram. He did not go to the cross and lay down his life so that you can have another pretty little phrase to put in your bio. He didn't die to be part of your story. He died so that you would let him rewrite your story. He died so that you can say, who am I? It's, it's no longer I who live, but, but Christ who lives in me. Everything I do, every decision I make is for Christ. It's not just who I am on Sunday mornings or Wednesday night. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives. He died for you so that you will let him rewrite your story, not just be a part of it. 